Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill and we are back, back back. from holidays. Well, Jack was on holidays. I had COVID to Christmas because (laughs) I've been naughty you, in place of coal. Yeah, Santa never made it to Joel's place. Or if he did, the only presents came from him coughing on the doorknobs and letting the reindeer sneeze on Joel's sleeping face. That's how I fucking got it, isn't it? Not, not the movers from Coogee. Either way, our promised weekly episodes were held up, just two from three weeks, when it should have been three, but it wasn't mm-hmm. our fault. Joel is covered in sores. He calls them bed sores. I think it's smallpox. Probably. The point is, we weren't able to keep you informed as much as we could have over the festive period. Yeah, and a few of the cookers have been pretty quiet anyway. But look, I did have the lurgy and it was horrible. And to be honest, it's still lingering around a little bit. I mean, I've got this newfound love for sleeping (laughs) and I finally know what it's like to feel like Pete Evans. And I'm not saying I ran into a shitload of money and I'm living a life of grass-fed salmon and general excess. (laughs) My brain is just fucked. It's like the brain fog just lifts so more, slowly. More, more fucked. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, exactly. Well, the bongs didn't help when I was a kid. Anyway, oh. I'm going to be fine, though. Look, it just takes a bit of time. Um, so the 10 cracks you're going to hear today are actually really low alcohol, if not zero alcohol. I need to admit that because I don't oh, want to be dear. a liar. Oh, um, dear. I'm running on fucking days of sleep, like 12 hours, 14 hours. <laughs> this is partially... Due to a fairly questionably timed booster shot, I had it planned. This is when I was meant to get my booster shot. The reason why I didn't get it is because I didn't have time. (laughs) Yeah, that really freed up. Uh, But basically, it just put a boot print on my brain. Getting a booster shot immediately after COVID infection is like basically saying, oh, I feel a bit ill, but maybe I don't mind to stab myself in the kidney. So Yeah, look, just but, kick that immune system around a little bit more. Yeah, just give it a good beating. But I do feel like this is the end of it, and I'm looking forward to a fucking great year in the podcast and life in general. <laughs> and, and Joel further wishes to apologize sincerely while I merely nod my head gravely in the background. You'll get it. I'm very good at I'm very good at doing that, you know, the, yeah. the grave nod of the head in the background. It's Your sympathies are felt. It's an important skill to have. <laughs> the point is, though, we're back and we have a few new subscribers, patrons of the show we'd like to thank, Eric, Michael and Karen. Yeah, thanks, guys. And we thank all of our patrons for their support. It has been a bit of a slow month in new patrons, but also in content. We don't deserve you anyway. But we have some cracking plans, some overflow episodes. We've got a Zoom chat coming up on Thursday for our lifers. And Jack has promised us some true crime goodies. He always promises true crime goodies, but he does come through eventually, and it's so completely worth it. And, of course, more from the two Jacks. Don't worry, patrons. You will get your money's worth. (laughs) You will. Isn't that great? Like, Will is doing so much heavy lifting there. You're getting your money's worth. And and, and we do welcome uh, Hara, who's uh, our our guest, uh, backstage guest, uh, backstage pass holder for the day. Watching intently as we uh, fuck up this script. And uh, yes. look, for those on the fence, you could be Harrow. You could be uh, listening to whatever the fuck we have on Patreon. I don't even remember what we put up there. But it will be well worth ticket price soon because we've got heaps of good plans. Although we do try and give you the good shit for free because we love our free listeners as well. Uh, but the gratuitous and contractually obligated thank yous must end there. The world is in turmoil and it's time to sift through the dross and the outright piles of steaming bullshit 
to try and make sense of it. And the only way to make sense of it is on the conditional release program. And we're going to kick it off in a segment which stands as a fucking continent of common sense and we call the conditional release program's weekly news. It was a false start. It was a false start. And the Novak Djokovic brouhaha is set to go into the fifth set with an appeal hearing before the federal court going on as we record, as we speak, on the 16th of January 2022. Now, the conditional release program made a soft-sit application for the full bench of the federal court to delay proceedings while we got on record of the show, but we were shouted down by the corporation's overlords. And to do this during the cricket is actual treason. (laughs) It's not misprision, it's treason. Yes, that's right. There are over 85 thousand people trying right now to watch the cricket and listen to the federal court proceedings. But while proceedings continue as we speak, I'm going to come out with a piece of foolish punditry, or it might prove to be foolish, or an act of genius, um, but it might just, uh, may not just stand up after about three hours. And I say, I think Djokovic will win his appeal and go on to play in the Australian Open and may in fact win it. He's done, I think, nine times before and causing great embarrassment to the Morrison government who fucked his... Up pretty much from day one. They did. They did. Yeah, this is the second time Djokovic's visa has been cancelled, this time at the discretion of the Immigration Minister, Alex Hawke. The reasons for Hawke's intervention are sketchy at best. IMO. Hawke believes that Djokovic would excite anti-vax sentiment in Australia and posed a risk of infecting Australians with COVID. So let's deal with the first argument. The idea that Djokovic could excite anti-vax sentiment while there are already a multitude of excited anti-vaxxers already here, including more than one on the government benches and one who used to be but has moved to the cross benches. It's sort of totally bizarre. Djokovic hasn't been as outspoken as Crackers Kelly. No. Or uh, the member for Dawson. You know, Can we cancel so, their visas? Can we please cancel their visas? Because I am <laughs> done with their bullshit. Well, they're, they're, they're all Australian citizens, sadly. Cannot oh, be removed. Oh. The Tech second goes. argument that Djokovic may become a sort of COVID version of Typhoid Mary is a bit of a stretch <laughs> too, given Victoria alone had more than 30,000 new cases of COVID on Saturday, January 15, and there were 100,000 across the country in the same period, pound for pound. We're, we're at the top of the world. Bless. And what has not appeared in the minister's, uh, minister's reasons is the fact that Djokovic, the far lap of Serbia, <laughs> appears to have misled the Commonwealth about the circumstances of his so-called COVID infection in December last year. Put some pressure on the bastard to explain the huge gaps in his story, I say. What say you, Joel? Well, look, I'm going to come at this from like a poxy law student background uh. and just say that ministerial discretion in situations like this is pretty ultimate. The idea that you can turn around and say that the decision is wrong, you basically, as far as I know, and once again, law student, like the minister needs to look like he's a fucking madman because the ministerial discretion is really wide. I think the only real sort of way this can go, because they're not actually talking about the merits, I don't get the basis of this challenge and I don't believe that it's going to succeed because as far as I know, the minister has ultimate discretion over this. Well, he has ultimate discretion, but he's got to act fairly and reasonably. Yeah, but like what's the benchmark for that like you can put this on character grounds well, that's and just what basically the say you know yeah I, I, just, I think it's insane because when it comes down to it the minister has this discretion and he has reasons and unless those reasons are absolutely fucking crazy or 
personal vendettas and things like that. Mm. I don't think there's any sort of uh, a challenge on it, and it's not a merits challenge. So I don't, I don't get the challenge. I really don't. But I haven't looked too in, uh, into it too far. But this is the thing that I really like with cookers. They always whinge about all these rights we don't have. When it comes down to it, we have a constitution that basically gives Parliament full discretion of what, what's going to happen. So mm. they give these ministers these ridiculous well, the yeah. sweeping powers. The executive have so much fucking power, and we love that. That's you know we are a nation of subservient bootlickers. So yeah, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. But look, you know, lawyers. Well, so we shall see. We shall see. Probably by the time. Uh, uh, this episode uh, arrives. Okay, so what's going to happen first? Steve Smith getting out or Djokovic getting a, a visa? Let's see what happens. Oh, Steve Smith looks like he's ready to bat forever. Um, <laughs> so, so let's hope that happens. But um, uh, yeah, look, this 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 may well have been resolved one way or the other by the time uh, this podcast hits your podcast apps. But anyway, yeah, it'd be like fucking Tuesday. What has day. been amusing is the hot takes from the commentariat. Mm. You can see the right wingers who are hard border folk you know, to a man and woman, now want him to allow to stay in breach of the rules, while the left, who opt for softer, if not open border policies, want him held in detention before putting him from our shores. To be fair, we're consistent about wanting to eat the rich. Pile of hypocrisy. Where will it end? Who can tell how the courts will see it? Hawke has the discretionary power, as Joel says, to punt Serbia's far lap out of the country, but must use those fairly and lawfully. My tip is Djokovic will triumph and the government will say, look, we did our best, but the courts are a joke in his country and thus sneak away from their responsibilities again or try mm-hmm. to. What we can say is this is going deep into the fifth set and it could be a marathon. Thank you, linesman. Thank you, ball boys. Yes, and thank you, the AV team at the uh, the court who's putting up with 48,000 viewers on what is usually a complete non-event. Yeah, that's the server under great stress at the moment. And uh, in Canberra, federal police have forcibly removed the tents and caravans of sovereign citizens who set up a camp outside of the old parliament building. A clean-up of rubbish is going on today after Indigenous and non-Indigenous sovsits mainly non-Indigenous, were ejected after their mission to seize the old parliament uh, building turned out to be a fizzer. And just, just, I just got a note here. Mainly not indigenous. You say that, but for a hundred dollars, they can become indigenous <laughs> if they buy an ID card. Yeah, We're not going to go into card. that today. I think that hundred bucks is only for twelve months. So you oh, can only be an indigenous person for twelve months, and What's then a- you'd have to reapply. Can you put like an auto renew on the credit card though? Like, I'd really oh, like convenience. Prob- they would probably have you on the auto renewal. I hope so. Mm. Or buy five years and only pay four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, that's my COVID cough. <laughs> I sound look, like a fucking dying old man. <laughs> it's a wheeze. Look, it is a just, wheeze. Just where protesters have gone is a bit of a mystery. I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but at the conditional release program, we don't believe this will be an end to the furor created <sighs> by the faux indigenous crowd seeking to impose and overtake the legitimate tent embassy, which celebrates its 50th anniversary on January 26th. Now, we've been following this one closely. I've written about it in the Oz, and, and many of the podcast's closest friends have been doing excellent work in, rese- in researching the activities motivations yeah. and the genesis of this bizarre protest, which is very interesting indeed. I always take a moment to say that you have to follow uh, SOS149 on Twitter because yes. they've just got the, the, the best cuts, just so much absolutely dedicated devotion toward just 
listening to seeking the truth. Reams you know, they of are, shit they and are, giving us the good cuts. They are great supporters of, of our program, but they're, they're fundamentally drawn by this search for truth, which is they very difficult these days. Do a, a lot of help for us on the research. Also, I just realised my COVID wheeze sounds like Muttley, the character, the cartoon <laughs> character. Please don't, please don't snigger. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, we will be doing a standalone extra episode on this one after <laughs> January twenty sixth. When we'll be able to finally see how this mess pans out, Ugh. if there's going to be any further conflict. The doors of the old parliament have been burned out. Indigenous and non-Indigenous protesters alike have been charged with a raft of offences, including arson, while the protests have turned un- ugly with Bruce Shillingsworth Sr., better known as Bruce Trillionsworth, <laughs> make a demand for $100 trillion in gold bullion. You don't trust the currency, you see. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's in compensation for white colonisation, paid directly into his bank account. Oh, yes, of course. And the thing is, like, I mean, I'm surprised it's not Bitcoin, but, I mean, look, you know, they're going old school. But the thing that I thought was really funny is that, like, I think the um, the the claim was something like it was $10 billion per count or something, but they made this like comically low amount of claims. So the whole thing is like genocide, colonization, all that sort of stuff. But there was like 3,000 counts of it. Like basically Bruce is there <laughs> saying, no, 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 I don't care about all those fucking nobodies who died of smallpox a couple hundred years ago. No. Nah, I know about 3,000 people who I reckon are probably deserving of a billion bucks. If you could just drop that gold bullion into my bank account, that would be very, very good. Just cooked, mate. There's more than a few thousand people who have been absolutely trundled by the colonisation of this country. But, hey, look, you just pick your numbers because I know you're making up as you go, you (laughs) fucking idiot. (laughs) Look, other non-Indigenous protesters removed from the site on Saturday, January 15, include former One Nation clowns, Islamophobes and rabid anti-vaxxers from the Sydney and Melbourne free. Yeah, movements. Gee, I haven't said that for a while. All we'll say at the moment is we don't believe this protest is over. The soft sets have cash donations and clout to chase, but at least the scumbags could have taken their fucking rubbish with them. Where's he, soft sits? Like, it, you don't need a rule. It's rubbish. Just take it away. <laughs> what is it? Soft sits don't have to turn over, put stuff in the bin? Yeah, because they're above everything. Because they're everything. soft sits. Fucking annoying. Like, the, Fucking just annoying people. The laws... Anyway. So, look, the camp, which they called Makada, I don't know why, uh, was situated near the Rose Garden. It means the coming house. storm, Joel. Oh, does it? Oh, cool. That's a QAnon reference we didn't need. Mm-hmm. So, look, the Rose Garden used to be a Rose Garden, and now it's just a bunch of thorny sticks because idiot anti-vaxxers... Oh, sorry, no, no, freedom fighters cut the roses and place the flowers in this symbolic pile to represent the children that have died from vaccines. Now, I could all hear you asking, which children? Well, which children died from the vaccines? Well, yeah, that's the fucking issue, isn't it? Because they just make these things up. The one they recently made up, because they love fucking making shit up, is a young girl, age 14, who died from... You guessed it, an adverse reaction to the oh, vaccine. Yeah. Not even mm. sure which one on this one. They didn't really say. Janie Marie Andrewson, a great, great name. Thanks for the three names. Really nails in the yeah, humanity makes there. it easier. Yeah, dead at 14. 14. Janie oh, doesn't wow. exist, though. That's, that's a problem. But Sad just to face. show the kind of 4chan adult brains behind these disinformation operations, they used a fucking victim of the Columbine High School massacre. Oh. Her name is Rachel Scott. That's the image they used. So they're using victims of a massacre to push fake vaccine deaths. It's just, this is the thing. Like I say, 4chan adult brains. Someone is doing this as a joke 
and watching it spread through anti-vax circles, creating the kind of outrage that causes, let's just say, violent events. So they don't stop here, of course, and there'll be more to come. We've got Alison Coleman, a seven-year-old girl in New South Wales who doesn't exist, who died from the Pfizer jab. Thanks for being technical, guys. I mean, this is the thing. Like, the fact that she doesn't exist is a bit of a red flag, but of course they'll just share things without even fucking checking them because this helps prop up their hobby cult. So apparently they made the image from some sort of face make app, but who really knows? I think that's basically just people saying, I can't find this on reverse image search. Maybe it's another dead kid they decided to co-op for their cause because it's certainly not beyond them. Mm. But look, I'm digressing here because what I'm saying is, is that Cook has torn up the Rose Garden to make a tribute to fake dead kids that they read about on the internet with bullshit disinfo campaigns that are clearly made up by pranksters who think it's funny to co-opt a fucking dead child from a massacre. It's just pathetic. They handed a bouquet of roses to uh, to the Wallopers yesterday too. Oh, that's nice of them. I wonder of where they got them from. stolen flowers. Yeah, exactly. Just fuck off. So, look, it's been a big week or two at Old Parliament House, and we are, as promised, going to do a full episode on it. I'm fucking terrified of doing this because I want to do it well, and there's so much to unpack. Mm. There's just so much really going on. It's complicated. It's yeah. like, okay, background briefing pays you $8,000 to do an episode, and we are, what, going to get... Yeah, it's hard. So I'm going to try and balance the work-life thing and actually make this good. Jack's got a lot of insights into a guy named Danny Searle, which we really need to explore, but we're going to get there. But for some highlights on the go, because we can't leave this hanging, we have seen the usual annoying behavior we expect from these people. A bunch of white guys whacking sticks together has made watching any footage from this event almost intolerable. People like Soz149 and Sunny Sandil on Twitter have done amazing work of pulling footage and just giving us the greatest hits because so much of these things is just filler. It's, it's just so hard nonsense. to watch. Yeah, it's so hard. So much just gibberish. They really do help reduce the amount of time I have yes, to spend on this. The interaction with police are just like catnip to these guys, where they get to yell obscenities at someone and just have no reaction at all. It's great because it makes them feel powerful. They scream all this bullshit to power to no consequence. You know, speaking truth to power while power just stands there and watches you blankly makes them feel great. And they're just bitching and moaning about these tyrannical government's pedophile protectors that are just standing there doing nothing. It's it's a perfect little mix of bullshit. It's great theatre. They love yelling titles and deeds or deeds and titles and international law, which is just subject nonsense, of course. The cops have no right to be there, apparently. They're breaking some kind of international law. They have no jurisdiction, blah, blah, blah. They never cite the fucking laws they're talking about. They just say international law over and over again. You have no jurisdiction. Yeah, they just, you have no jurisdiction. Deeds and titles. No jurisdiction. International law. Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean so, not not supposed to mean anything. No, it's really not. <laughs> Once it has meaning, I guess they move on to a new thing like it's not cool anymore. So a couple of arrests are made. One kid named Jamison got taken in and processed, and he proudly told his story about how he did not contract with police. Well done, Jamison. Took issue to his name being in full capital letters, a subset thing, and found that his charge seat was reduced with the sole police being removed from the list of charges, despite the fact this kid was clearly assaulting police. Well, he was having a go. Yeah, he was certainly, he was <laughs> he was certainly throwing some there. money around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And why they dropped the charges is very hard to say. 
But once again, this police lenience is seen as proof that the Soviet cheat codes work. And that's the fucking problem. And the thing is, this really killed me. As he's telling his story about how he bamboozled the police with his secret knowledge, who was there by his side? D fucking Osmond, who proudly exclaimed that she was the one that taught him these cheat codes. She said like, who taught you that? He's like, oh, you did. You did. So sheepishly. Let's just uh, just remind listeners that D fucking Osman is, is very much non-Indigenous member oh, of, yeah. of this oh, protest. Yeah. I think she's yeah. Turkish. I think she's got Turkish uh, sort of roots. She was a soccer player. She's a fucking mad subset. But this is the thing, you know. She says, I taught you those cheat codes. He stands there and exclaimed how his charge sheet's gone down. And it turns out the cheat codes work. What more proof do you fucking need? So another fine example of this is Dylan Wilson. We've got a lot to say about him in the episode coming up. He's a so-called lawman, like what? Who's actually just a white Soviet shit-stirrer with a fondness for One Nation, great friend to First Nations people, and a general distaste of Islam, like a creepy distaste of Islam. Yeah. Charming guy with a very checkered background, but here, he, you know, he calls himself Didge. Didge is a legal scholar in their circles, and he got bail, which apparently is proof the cheat codes work. It's not because the legal system is reluctant to put people on remand unless they're a threat to society, which he clearly is, and the system is broken insofar as they don't understand the domestic terror threat that's being inflicted by these sovsets. No, it's because he said a few dumb things about capital letters. But we haven't heard much from Buddy Trillionsworth who apparently did get bail but has been very quiet since his arrest, probably because the police told him to pull his fucking head in. But let's face it, maybe he just didn't have the right cheat codes at the time, you know? Uh, look, your buddy is, of course, uh, Bruce uh, Trillionsworth Jr. Yes. Uh, and, uh, look, I, I believe he was bailed on the undertaking that he leave the area. But he's also been quite quiet as far as I know on social media and things like that, whereas a lot of these guys come out, like Didge did, you know, triumphantly come out and say, I'm fucking winning, I'm winning, I've got out on bail, I'm fucking winning. And But, all, but also Buddy's been charged with much more serious offences. Yeah, Buddy's a bit smarter too, I think, which is uh, saying uh, Well, he's been, he's been charged with, you know, with arson, essentially. But look, it's been very frustrating to watch the events at Old Parliament House with this kind of hands-off kid gloves approach and police that allows these cookers to cause this chaos to little or no consequence. And this just simply galvanizes them. It's not the kind of lenience that stops them from thinking there's any point to their, their, their thing. It doesn't have the effect of stopping the kickback that might happen if they did crack down on them. The entire movement revolves around get-out-of-jail-free cheat codes, and they work. I mean, who could argue that not consistently getting wins over the cops when charges are being dropped and arrests and nothing more than catch and release. Obviously, the cheat codes work. When they say, you know, I actually had this interaction on Facebook. Someone was saying, well, I saw a video where they said all this shit about sovereignty and the police retreated. That is proof that these things work. No, it's not. It's just the camera police are being fucking cowards and using kid gloves on domestic terrorists. I just... It fucking baffles me. So on the eve of the big day, January 15th, where all the cookers were meant to converge on Canberra and take over Old Parliament House, which they believe in some bizarre way is the true seat of power in Canberra. Something about mole children, probably. The cops actually decided to do something and evict these fucking morons from the campground. 
that they shamelessly screamed at the police. They had permission from the traditional owners, and they didn't, and they don't, which is they widely documented. Yeah, most most important. Look, the the, the, the background is if they, if they wanted to continue to camp where they are, where they were camped, they would need the approval of the National Capital Authority. Yeah, and, and that was the basis on which the, the camp was dismantled. Yeah, and I get the idea that maybe the traditional owners should be the ones who decide that, but I would imagine that their weight would actually swing quite heavily in this situation. And if they backed it, they would probably say that to the authority, which would then hold some swing in their decision. At the end of the day, traditional owners don't want you there. Fuck off. But saying that you've got their approval, I mean, you're just lying and you know it. Because let's face it, what happened next? You just started threatening the fucking embassy anyway. So I'll get to that in a second. But basically, the thing that really shits me here is, as they say in Mean Girls, they don't even go here. The mob that turned up are not from that country and they speak on behalf of it with a sense of authority. And that is a huge no-no. You're not allowed to do that. Aboriginal Australia is made of a shitload of nations. I think it's like 369. It's a fuckload of them. And you can't go from one place to another and claim that you have authority to speak on behalf of country that you aren't a fucking part of. And there's a whole hierarchy which varies from place to place that they're just not a fucking part of. I mean, one of them, is it Bruce or is it Zell? Or there's another guy who says that he's a tribal chief. Bruce Mate, calls himself a chief and he's not Bruce? even, he's not, he's, he's not, basically in his own people, which would come from uh, central New South Wales, he, he, is, he has not been initiated. You know, no one in his family has been insane. initiated since his uncle some 50 years ago or more. But we just we don't have chiefs. And if you don't know that, then you just shouldn't fucking be there. No, it was it was, it was threatening media, basically, and sort of buttonholing media saying, I am the chief, you will stand down. That's right, stand down. Isn't that great language? So, like, it's just the kind of thing that gets their endorphins flowing, like gets their justice boners out. So, look, the amount of gibberish they threw at the cops was just surreal. It's just verbal diarrhea and they just love yelling at cops, you know, because the cops don't do anything to them because they're, you know, cops. So the cops packed up the camp in this much more respectful manner than I expected because I thought they were just going to get a skip in and throw the tents in. But the cookers did what they do best and basically just made it as difficult for them as possible. They started a barbecue, which I think was their way of saying, oh, you can't move this, it's hot. But the cops didn't give a fuck. They're like, no, 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 no. Careful, we have sausages. Yes, exactly. And like, and this is the thing, like they were like banking on this like Bunnings mindset that maybe like interrupting a barbecue is like a national tragedy. The stags are half cooked. Oh, the chicken's not cooked. What's going to happen, mate? Like you did this to basically play chicken, literal chicken with the cops. And you lost. I mean, like, come on, guys. And I just feel sorry for the chickens that died in vain. But this is an example of police intervention working. They packed up the camp. Despite all the whinging about deeds and titles and jurisdiction, they had to go elsewhere. And eventually, they went elsewhere. But eventually. Because ferals are like barnacles. They're very hard to remove. They made these annoying circles, really slapped those sticks together, and found a new purpose, which is a really good one, uh, threatening the actual Aboriginal tent embassy. And this... I think is actually a series of events that culminated in a real like low for them. Like, I mean, hassling this is, salvos yeah, this is, wasn't this is good. Clearly, the most disgraceful part of it. It's so, and watching it was really painful because I have watched a bit. Because to be honest, I've basically been sleeping and watching lives because it hasn't been a productive few days for me. And they started yelling shame and sellouts to the fucking original owners of the land, which apparently have permission to be there from, except they're starting a war with. Cool. So this story circulated around the area. They kept on rabbiting about which the traditional owners of the area in the in the you know in the land. 
fan of the um, of the Aboriginal tenant in, in Gunnawal people, yes. Yeah, <clears throat> and they made something like three hundred fifteen million, or maybe forty four, or just other random made up yeah, numbers. Yeah, they just keep make up a different number each time. But to sell the land for a tram line, what fucking tram line? I, I, I genuinely don't think, for right or wrong, that the Aboriginal Ten Embassy has like a title on the land, which they can sell. I don't I don't get what the basis is. But it's not like these guys did real property at university. They're basically just making shit up as they go along. Mm. But this formed the basis for their claims that the Aboriginal Ten Embassy are a bunch of cashed up pedophile protector loving sellouts and they have their hand in the government tip. I mean, that's the whole thing. Anyone who they disagree with is being paid by the government. That's their thing. So Luke Simpson, a prominent figure of the OPH rabble and a complete fucking idiot, went on several rants on Instagram Live saying how he was going to bash the people at the 10 Embassy and he really wanted to bash them. And this is his words, not mine. He literally yep. said he was going to go and bash them in the street. He claimed the 10 Embassy were responsible for him not being able to see his child. Mm. Now, I don't see the logic there. Maybe it's the obsession with bashing people. I don't think there is any, Joel. I yeah, think we're dealing it's... with an, a court order from some other jurisdiction, but Maybe... certainly nowhere in Canberra. Maybe bashings are an issue there. Do you think mm. bashings might have Maybe been an the issue there? Maybe threats to violence, yeah. Yeah, just feel like that, that might, might be not an be. Issue. Yeah. Don't know, but that's, that is certainly something you'd want to have a look at. Red flag. So still, the yelling and the threats came thick and fast through this police line that just kept the cookers away. And the tent embassy played various very funny musical choices, including We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, very classy, <laughs> which of course is a reference to the fact these fucking idiots set Old Parliament House on fire just for the new year, which is going to have a whole bunch of uh, January 6th style uh, uh, court cases on it because they uh, really fucked up on that one. It's hard to see what next to the cookers down there. It's really tricky as their elaborate, Quite elaborate camp, which consisted of semi-permanent structures, portable cool rooms, makeshift kitchens, and a shitload of tents and camp vans, was just taken down by the cops. And their eviction came a little bit late, but not too late, as it completely ruined their seditious plans for the January 15th. And then we moved to Australia Day, better known as Invasion Day. That's how I like to say it. It's the milestone in the next bizarre story. With the 50th anniversary of the 10 Embassy to be celebrated, and a general sense the cookers are going to be back for it to fucking ruin it. Will Luke Simpson try and fight everyone? <laughs> Probably. Probably, but it looks like the cookers, famous for ordering everything they go near, are about to piss on 50 fucking years of political activism. For what? A group that's existed for about a year? Why? Freedom? I mean, yeah, maybe. But like, look, let's 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 move on. Speaking of freedom, Jack, let's turn to the land of the free. Ah, to the land of the free. In news from the United States of America, 11 people linked to the far-right Oath Keepers, including its leader, Stuart Rhodes, have been charged with seditious conspiracy Ooh. in relation to the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Oh, dear. Now, this has caused all manner of confusion to right-wing commentators <laughs> on Fox News and elsewhere, as well as some in Australia who should know better. Yeah. For more than a year, commentators of the Tucker Carlson variety have been claiming the attack on the Capitol building wasn't an insurrection, may have been a false flag operation. Of course. Anything. So they don't have to face the dreadful truth that the crowd who gathered on January 6th to listen to Trump and his Stop the Steel lunatics before going on to forcibly enter the Capitol building was, at its heart, an attempt to usurp a popularly elected president. Oh, totally. And it's also a reflection of the fact that this entire QAnon, I do believe in that sort of idea. The QAnon and the general sort of like, you know, the, the Hubble around it does have such an amazing centrally organized system to it where they brought all these people together. Whereas you look at them trying to do it at Old Parliament House and they like, they kind of just thought it would happen and it just didn't. Whereas over there, 
this was really planned and the cops have got a lot of shit to look into, which is going to result in yeah. some serious fucking charges. And, and, and getting their prosecutions right. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, one of the other arguments from these sort of Tucker Carlson style fuck knuckles is that, is that, oh, they weren't, you know, they were using, you know, sort of, they're not weapons. They're not, you know, not guns. They're not, you know, you wouldn't say that about the Oath Keepers. I mean, yeah. they were in full military kit. With the zip ties and everything. Anyway, US pr- prosecutors have already brought criminal charges against at least 725 people linked to the attack, with many plea bargaining their way to short and jail terms. The right-wing commentary described these charges and prosecutions as minor matters, thus trivialising the motives behind the attack. The US Justice Department has taken its time, more than a year, building a strong case against the 11 Oath Keepers, some of whom formed a phalanx to break into the building, assaulting law enforcement officers around the building. Many were armed with firearms, John. And in D.C., the laws on firearms are not quite as flexible yeah, as other states. Yeah, so they've got some problems there. Nine of the 11 people named in the indictment were already facing charges. An indictment was released on Thursday against the founder of Oath Keeper, Stuart Rhodes, and 10, uh, 10 others, <coughs> accusing them of conspiring to forcefully oppose the transfer of power between then-President Donald Trump, a Republican, to his successor, Democrat Joe Biden. The seditious conspiracy law reads, if two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of any law of the United States or by force to seize, take or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. So that's what they're looking at, (coughs) the 11 11 who've been charged. And that law sounds pretty straightforward. It's taken a long (laughs) time to get to this point. It might sound like legal mumbo-jumbo, but when we understand the context of the behaviour of the Oath Keepers, it's it's pretty much a straightforward prosecution. they're fucked. It's taken a long time to get to this point, but these charges, once and for all, dispel the notion that the attack on the Capitol building was a spontaneous outbreak of anger. It was planned, prosecutors say. The indictment alleges Oath Keeper leader Rhodes wrote to members on Signal on November 5, 2020, saying, we aren't going through this without civil war. Too late for that. Prepare your mind, body, and spirit. Which is interesting because that means that some cops were in that group. Just on two months beforehand? Yeah. It's like, how would you get it otherwise? It's encrypted. So If we're looking at... If we're looking at some sort of uh, interpretation or analysis of these charges, a former Justice Department national security lawyer who teaches at the University of Minnesota Law School, Alan Rosenstein, said, I don't think there is much the defendants can say here. This is the textbook definition of seditious conspiracy. If this isn't seditious conspiracy, he said, what is? Uh, another fellow, Joshua Braver, a professor at the University of Wisconsin Law School, said the government has a strong case against the Oath Keepers, alleging the 11 Oath Keepers executed their real agreement to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power. The charges come amid reports that President Trump may have acknowledged his complicity in urging the attacks in a conversation with then-House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy on January 6th. Where, where Trump has said, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. 
fucking and McCarthy idiot. insisted that the riders were Trump supporters and begged Trump to call them off. Trump's comments set off what Republican lawmakers familiar with the call described as a shouting match between the two men. A furious McCarthy told the then president the rioters were breaking into his own office through the windows and asked Trump, who the fuck do you think you are talking to? <laughs> According to Republican lawmaker familiar with the call. Lots to unpack there, Joel. And, and that conversation is going to become, that conversation between McCarthy and Trump is going to be very, very significant in, yes, uh, in uh, the congressional investigation yeah. uh, as to uh, the complicity or not of Donald Trump. Lots to unpack. Um, but the idea of a rowdy bunch of protesters acting independently and spontaneously simply cannot be rationally argued anymore. Yes, but of course they will argue it. They will, because that's what they do. I'll do anything for you. Run! Just tell me what you want me to do. And today's conditional release program is proudly brought to you by the world's richest man, Bruce Shillingsworth Sr. He's just checked his bank account and the $100 trillion in gold bullion he demanded from every single Australian as reparations for the 1788 invasion of Aboriginal land has dropped into his account, making him 200 times wealthier than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos combined. Well done, Bruce. Not bad. Now, wisely, Bruce wouldn't accept currency issued by the Australian corporation. It had to be gold bullion. You can't trust a corporation with their admittedly pretty, very colourful, but yes. pointless cash these days. Can't spend it anyway. And after performing a, uh, a welcome to his country, he hastily renamed Sovereign Republic of Shillingsworthier at the Shillingsworth Opera House in Sydney. <laughs> he boasted he had bamboozled the Australian government. I would have accepted $50 trillion. The $100 trillion was just a negotiating ploy, but the government shit themselves when they saw me pull up outside Parliament in a Hyundai i40, painted up to look like a cop car. Now get off my land. <laughs> Indigenous Australians seeking their share of reparations have been asked to make their claims on wallaby hides sent to the attention of Bruce at one of the 240 KFC stores he now owns. <laughs> hey, Bruce, Chief, Champion, Brother, can you spot us a lazy trillion until payday? I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all... within. And with the sweet lilt of the voice of genius autodidact, amateur astronomer and pure mathematician, Thanos Panagigis <laughs> ringing in our ears, it means it's time for which black bill fuckwitch said that. And if you're successful today, Joel, you'll win $100 trillion in gold bullion that we tricked out of Bruce Shillingsworth Senior by offering him a hall mirror, some shiny trinkets, and the latest model Hyundai i40. Turns out Bruce is a bit of a soft target. All he had to do is call him chief, and he, we had him eating a bucket of KFC out of the palm of our hands. <laughs> Are you ready, Joel? Yes, absolutely. Give it to me. Okay, get out the piano accordion and give it a good squeezing because today our first quote comes from a patriotic ditty from the Republic of Serbia. Oh, fuck, here we go. We're not sure who wrote it. Its origins are a bit murky, but the song is believed to have been knocked out in the third, but who's counting, yes. Balkans War from the 20th century. Just the three for the 100 years. Well done, guys. Nice. The song is an ode to one-time Serbian president, Radovan Karadzic. Karadzic is now in prison, having been convicted in The Hague for yes, war crimes and genocide. Great hair, by the way, Radovan. 
Hair like Stalin. Can't relate. Cannot relate. Here's a line from a song entitled Vidov Dan. Vidov Dan. Oh, is this Dan Andrews again? Is this Dan Andrews' fault? This sounds <laughs> no, like Dan Andrews' fault. This this is this was written in 1995, sometime around that time, around the time of the Third Balkans War. I can picture Dan Andrews agitating over in Eastern Europe Vidov about 1995. That's it. The song translated goes something like this, and I won't sing it because I really don't know the tune. But anyway, the, the lyrics go, The wolves are coming. Beware Ustashi and Turks. Jeez. Karazic, lead your Serbs. Lead your Serbs. Everyone must see that they don't fear anyone. Now, the question is, not who wrote it, but who sang it? Oh, yeah, you're making it easy for me this week. Thanks, fucking dickhead. <laughs> Was it former commander of the notorious Drina Wolves paramilitary unit, which participated in the genocide against Bosnian Muslims in Srebrenica? Milan Jolovic, ah. the man responsible for 51 deaths in the massacre in Christchurch's mosques in 2019. Fuck, I'm not even going to say his name. You know, the Australian cunt. Yeah, fuck that guy. Or was it the ATP ranked number one tennis player in the world? I've got a bit of COVID, so why not hang out with some kids? Prominent anti-vaxxer, will he or won't he play in the Australian Open? Novak Djokovic. Or was it all of the above? I do like the fact that you have gamed this to make it less shit for me. And I'm absolutely going with the possibly a trap, but probably a sure thing, all the above. Oh, it was in fact a trap job. Fucker! Ah, now the Christchurch terrorist. Always choose D. The Christchurch terrorist played the song on a live on his way to the El Noor Musk mm. Mosque in Rickerton. Um, but didn't sing it. What an awful piece of uh, shit. I'm sure Jolovich has sung the song, but there is no record of it. Only yes. Novak Djokovic has been shown singing the song no. after the Serbian national tennis team won the ATP Cup in 2020, oh. where Djokovic sang nationalist songs, including that one, Vidov Dan, in triumph. That's not good. That's not good. You shouldn't. And do the reason I popped Jolovich in there is jo- uh, the, the, the genocidist Jolovich is as Djokovic was photographed sitting next to Jolovich at a wedding Ooh. in September 2021. Awkward. I mean. Gee, you want some grounds to expel the guy from Australia. I think I've come up with three or four. Yeah, I think so. Fucking hell. Wow, I didn't like Novak, but now I really don't yeah, like Novak. Yeah, some unpleasant stuff shit. going on there. So, He's well, great at tennis, look, though, so, you know, that, that excuses him of all of that. I mean. You're, you're, down, you're down to 66 trillion. <laughs> um, so we better keep moving. This is question two. They have, that is the US Justice Department, Uh. begun to fight a new enemy in a new war on terror. Not, you should understand, a metaphorical war, but an actual war, soldiers and paramilitary agencies hunting down American citizens. Oh, no. That's concerning. American citizens. That's very concerning. Was that spluttering out sentence fragments in faux outrage while claiming the January 6th insurrection was a run-of-the-mill gathering of -of out-of-towners doing the D.C. tourist run, Tucker Carlson? Or was it Florida's favourite brothel creeper? He creeps in and traffics them across state borders so he doesn't have to do any more creeping. Congressman, but not a pedo, otherwise that would spoil the Q narrative, Matt Gatesy Gates. We love Gatesy. I love him. She'd wear a Marga hat if it didn't mess with her hair. Great hair, by the way. Hair like Hydric. 
Laura Ingraham. Mm. Great set here. Reinhold Heydrich. Cut it pretty close, but fantastic blonde. All blonde. All blonde. Just all Laura. Blonde. Or was it looking sexy in his LBD? Little black dress. The man who bugged America <laughs> before getting buggered. J. Edgar Hoover. Ooh, that was spicy. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, look, I am definitely just guessing here. Um, is it uh, our mate Laura? Oh, so close. So, so close. No, so no, hard. it wasn't for Tucker Carlson. That was Tucker. I thought Tucker was your filler answer. <laughs> well, God damn it. He's into so many things. He yeah, does. he was suggesting that the Justice Department is basically persecuting half of America. Jesus uh, Christ. And that actually that led up? to the resignation at Fox News of two very, very fine news reporters. Oh, what? Because like, uh, And senior news reporters who just said yeah. enough and walked out of the place. Yeah, fair. That's uh, without uh, too many regrets. But, yeah, and, and Carlson sort of chipped them on the way out. But, yep, Jeez. that's what he was saying, you know, in lieu of January 6th. Look, you know, basically it's not you guys who, who created all that chaos and mayhem and murder on January 6th. It's because the FBI is hunting down half of America. Idiot. So, look, Joel, you're down to just a, l- a lousy $33 trillion. If you can get this right, this is question three. You're going to have to start a GoFundMe for me after this. <laughs> yes, we might have to. This man is only worth $33 trillion and needs more money. Mm-hmm. Question three, the quote goes, but you should have a fourth one now of the very same formula we created for the first one before these other three fucking variants even existed. How the fuck does that make any sense whatsoever? Oh, unquote. God. This is not a genius. Think you're not a doer unless you're talking smashing tellies. Then pass in the sledgehammer, Australia's spit-speckable saviour, Thanos Paniides. Or was it truck driver, good neighbour, quietly going about recruiting people to act as cannon fodder for a coup d'etat at Canary Bankstown Lee's Club, Romeo Georges? Yeah, he's actually been quite interesting recently, but we won't go into that. Or was it lizard guy and poltergeist remover who just last Saturday called again for... Armed revolution while he sits up in air-conditioned comfort in his Brisbane flat. Danny Searle. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking weirdo. Not a good person. Or was it CDC pill counter and the man who officially received more death threats than any other person in the world last year, Anthony Fauci? God, that's fucking ridiculous. I'm sure that's true. Um, look, I'd love to say Fauci because I think that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go Thanos. Yeah! Finally. Oh, can you lend me a trillion? You've just picked up 33 trillion that we've tricked from Bruce uh, Shillingsworth Senior <laughs> with a few trinkets uh, and a car. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, it was, in fact, Fanus Panietti's in a spit-speckled rant uh, in a live during the week. I actually didn't watch that video, so, yeah. But you should have felt one. Now the very same formula we checked for the first one before these other three fucking variants were even existed. How the fuck does that make any sense whatsoever? <sighs> Mate, nothing makes sense to you, Fanos. You've got to, you know, I've got a toaster oven that's fucking smaller than you because it's got a clock in it. Yeah, you know, you're a fucking idiot. A anyway, fucking idiot. I shouldn't be harsh. I shouldn't be harsh. He is, he is my favourite member of the movement. God, he's uh, Because he just makes these angry rants, and that was just a beauty from the week. Now, we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bill Fuckwits. We want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us a line. We'll send you a stubby holder and some disordered tatter. If you make our lives easier and just send us a quote, we can use on the show and we must remind you that 
the conditional release program stubby holder is the only stubby holder that is clinically proven to keep drink cold. It is indeed. The conditional release program stubby holder is covered in sores, however, at the moment, wheezing with a bad dose of the COVID lurgy Joel gave to it by failing to wear a mask, socially distance, and generally treat the conditional release program stubby holder like plague fodder. So we're putting the prizes aside for another week or two. The conditional release program stubby holder is an eerily magic bit of kit, but it is crook as rookwood right now and highly <laughs> infectious, so you're going to get a nasty dose of the plague and there's nothing the stubby holder can do to help you other otherwise than you know you fill it up with ivermectin neck it and see what happens yeah the good old horse pace will save you from what's in the fucking stubby holder yep yep i'm uh, trying to give plague free mail outs uh, over the next yeah, while so probably a good idea probably we'll playing catch up soon so there's no prizes dripping with viral death this week but we still ask listeners to drop us a line if they want to contribute to which black pill fuckwit said that Mark to the attention of Jack, bury the quote so I don't see it, yes, at our please. email address at the conditional release program at gmail.com. So the Cookers had yet another protest weekend, but this one was a special one. And why is that? Well, nobody really showed up. And I mean, Aww. like, I'm not saying nobody showed up. I'm just saying not like they usually do. Cookers tend to have amazing turnouts. And this was not that great. And this is the Aww. thing. Maybe they got what they wanted. A country that's free as a bird, stuck at home, feeling terribly ill and unable <laughs> to work or do basically anything. Well, well done, guys. You yeah. got there. You did it. Yeah, you got freedom. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of their followers are in ICU at the moment. How fucking good is freedom? It's working out really well. You can't get a breast of chicken and everyone's got a fucking cough. I'm just stoked with freedom. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you got there. So this one was a Reclaim the Line rally, which is historically yes. a bit about teachers, but at this point it's just another desperate grift by not teacher but Freemason, Mac. Freemason. Oh, yeah, he's a Freemason. It's very funny. Tom Tannock, if you get that out, it's hilarious. And basically, they've just pivoted from teachers to kids, pushing the hashtag voices for kids and going in that inevitable direction of saving children from the mm. experimental gene therapy yeah. jab, blah, blah, you God, know, the fucking drill, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sydney has had a decent little crowd this weekend, peppered with UAP signs and One Nation signs, and it just shows that it's just a festering hive of right-wing bigoted boomers, a bunch of ignorant hippies who don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and, of course, 4chan incels. They are absolutely a part of this movement. Craig Kelly was there, of course, doing his weird hedgehog face thing. And so many people in orange T-shirts with trust Pauline Hanson on the back, which I thought was an interesting rebound, possibly from the whole you can never trust the Liberals, Labor or Greens again billboards that are just littering our highways and our worlds thanks to Uncle Clive's great giant big wallet. But it seems like Pauline in this situation has probably gone with if you can't beat them, join them. Or at least, you know, try and eat the crumbs of feta they left in the couch cushions. I mean, like, you know, it's desperate. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I get the sense that Hanson, there's something going on there because she's really not been active. She has not been attending a lot of rallies and so forth. It's yeah. not she hasn't been completely absent, but she's not doing a lot. And I get the feeling that she's kind of got to the end of her rope, so to speak, Ooh. in terms of her political energy. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, so, like, it was a sea of orange at the rally. It was an absolute sea of orange. Uh, well, that, that tells you someone's providing them with the T-shirts. They're not as if they dragged them out from 2019. Yeah, I oh, know. They're definitely new. So, look, the AstroTurf vibes are strong with these piles of signs from the Parents with Questions group, which I think we've said this before, is run yeah. by this registered charity, What Would Love Do Now, which is that group that basically pilfered money on behalf of farmers and spent 
of these pissy education campaigns that almost certainly don't exist and generally is just a grift pivot from the farmers to the kids <laughs> and the vaccine because, you know, whatever works. Yeah. You just go mm-hmm. to soft targets. I mean, like, you know, I just want real milk to taste like real vaccine. Like, fucking whatever. So... There were peacemakers, there were Serbian flags, of course, there were signs, none of them were funny. That's as, yeah, situation as normal. They're just not funny people. But it's enough to be noticed, it's enough to clog up a couple of streets, but it's not enough to make any kind of meaningful difference. It's not an impact number, because people don't really care anymore. You've got these rusted on people who will always show up, and that is why the movement is so good at on-ground activism, because when you have an event, you know that a couple of thousand people who will turn up to fucking anything will turn up. But let's face it, realistically, if you scare the shit out of people, they're easy to mobilize. So just keep on filling them with irrational fears and they will turn up on yeah. the ground. Really yeah. good. Been going on for two years. Up north in Darwin, the cookers were nice and noisy. Had a decent rabbling population-wise, which, you know, it's not a big crowd, but population-wise, you know, per capita, it's quite a lot of people. They have this AstroTurf organization that may have links to Millions March Against Mandatory Vaccination, but I'm not sure, called Free in the NT. They had a shitload mm. of merch at the event. Tons of people wearing these t-shirts I haven't seen before, and I do keep a general eye on this, so, like, I'm surprised this is, like, it feels new. Maybe I'm just not... My fingers on the pulse. Thanks so much to Astra Emica for sending this because this was actually quite interesting. Their main email on their website is merch at freeinthent.org. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, what does that grief. tell you? They're not even trying to hide it. So there was tons of expensive looking banners and the usual pricey stage setup, and it just reeks of some sort of AstroTurf cash. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. A Huey's search of the website shows they paid the extra $20 odd to stay private. ABN uh-huh. Nasic search didn't come up with anything, but .org as a domain implies they're not for profit, which is pretty funny considering yeah. they're fucking well, they're just knocking out baseball app. caps and t-shirts. Yeah, mm. piss off. It's like not, not for profit like the RSL where the general manager's on $2 million a year. So the camera protest was quite funny with old mate Uncle Bruce there doing his thing as per usual, carted out as a token for the white crowd to cheer on about sovereignty when it means nothing at this point. Uh, <laughs> it was basically just all cookers from the camp. They just went from the camp yeah. to the protest. I counted I counted about 50 or 60 people there. That was bad. I it mean, they, they, did, they did have some more come along, but yeah, they, they wouldn't have got to 200, I don't think. I saw a bit more than that, but I'm not here to pick about numbers. What I can say is okay. these people would have not been well rested and probably a little bit crabby from a crappy night's sleep. So they turned up and they're bitching and moaning about vaccines. But the thing that's really funny is that the camp, you know, the muck at a camp, the storm, fucking blah, blah, they're mm. not anti vaxxers. Apparently. Well. But they turned into an anti-vax rally well, in numbers. I don't know. What like what's the other uh, thing the other thing about the storm is that Canberra was lashed on Friday last Friday night with a fucking thumping storm. Oh so, really? Yeah. So the name was was quite apt as Bad it night. turned out. Not Bad quite the storm they were looking for. No. The actual storm with lightning and thunder and a fucking shitload of rain. Maybe God isn't on your side. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, in Newcastle, the White Rose Society, brilliant, brilliant work, posted on Twitter a video of an IMOP candidate at the rally who proudly exclaimed that he had COVID and was spreading it at the event so everyone could have it, called it a COVID party, which is insane. Hello, everybody, and thanks for coming out. Sorry about my voice. I've got the rona again. I'm out, I'm out here spreading it on mass. You thought you were coming to a protest, but you're coming to a Rona party, so you can all get it. Um, I'm going to run for the federal seat of Newcastle uh, with IMOP at the next election. 
Um, I don't want to, I don't really want to be a politician. Uh, I think it's a terrible profession, to be is honest. That, is that not a criminal offence? I'm sure it is. It really should be. It really should be. No, I, I know it is. If you, if you knowingly infect, this is one of, the, one of one of the acts of legislation or acts of parliament we put through in New South Wales. It's just fucking outrageous. knowingly give someone COVID. And, like, this is the thing. Like, does someone need to tell these people that getting sick isn't actually a good thing? It's not a good thing. Like, what you do is you avoid getting COVID, but if you get COVID, that's unfortunate. Like, I get not getting the jab. That's fine because it's one of those things of walking into a door. Okay, I get it. That's fair enough. But mm. why do you want to walk into the door? <laughs> why do you want to get sick? It's, it's the old joke. You know, you're hitting yourself on the head because it feels better when you stop. You know? Yeah, that's exactly it. And it makes no fucking sense. Like, no. natural immunity, I get that. And I get for certain people in certain industries, maybe natural immunity gets you out of the vaccine for six months or so. But the whole point of immunity is to not get sick, you fucking dopes. So, like, think about this. There's this crowd cheering on this fucking intellectual nobody about giving them COVID. How fucking indoctrinated in mindless <laughs> bullshit do you have to be to cheer on someone who's trying yeah. to make you sick? I mean, like, how many people, including children, did this fucking moron infect while they cheered him for doing it. This guy has this raspy voice. He's clearly sick. And they're all like, oh, yeah, can I get a raspy <laughs> voice as well? Can I have some of that? It sounds great. This guy got the Rona again, in his words, again. Like he's got it twice now. Where's your natural immunity, champion? I yeah. thought you were not meant to yeah. get it twice because your natural immunity, but you got it again. So, like, he also, he says this great line that he doesn't want to be a politician, but he's running for government. <laughs> it's a terrible profession, he says. That's, that's the that's the Trumpian, uh, that's the Trumpian in him. You know, this, I'm going to, I'm a politician, but I'm a non-politician politician. Well, you see, Trump actually did get into power. He's a really good way to not get into government. I can solve this problem for you. Actually, no, you I've already thought of this beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Run for I'm up in a rep seat, you fucking idiot. The problem solves itself because you're going to get 3% tops. Good luck and, to you, mate. And a lot of the people who would vote for you, you, you may have killed a portion of them. Yes, yes, there may be a significant portion of them that are in a spot of blood. <laughs> have been hospitalised. I mean, this is the thing that a lot of people don't get. Omicron... <laughs> there's there's a significant rate of reinfection just on the two or three weeks of South African data that we've looked at. So just in that very limited period, we saw we saw one in sixteen or seven percent uh, reinfect in that very short period. This so guy th got it twice, and he's not even in like a hot <laughs> area. Like he's in Newcastle, which is not great because that's where the Omicron broke out. Yeah, but he's managed yeah. to get it twice in what a month? I don't even know. This fucking guy, it just it's oh, he bad. might have had alpha, beta. He's, he's just running the gamut just, of the Greek alphabet. That's it. Maybe Maybe he just loves the alphabet. So, look, I think the protests are a bit of a non-event. There was definitely a few people showing up, but it's a usual suspect, and it definitely feels like the mass movement is dying down. And one of the things is you look at this, and they've got this let-it-rip policy. They've got their freedom. They've finally got their freedom. The federal and state governments have left them very little to protest about. That's it. Tom Tannock did a great piece on this independent Australia, which is very much worth checking out, explaining how basically the cookers did fuck all the change of status quo. What they did manage is they managed to basically just stand by and watch while Scott Morrison's government got exactly what he wanted. Small government and every man from himself in this hellscape of society where people are punching each other in the streets for rapid tests. I mean, it's fucking pathetic. This is what they wanted and this is what they got and yet they turn up to protest anyway. It's like the only thing they know how to do anymore. Like, you know, 
go and watch a cricket. Like, you know, apologise to your families. Like, just fuck off. But it's, it's, it's like there are no consequences either. I mean, Sam, Sam Kekovic is doing the lamb promo again mm-hmm. for Australia Day after engaging in an interview with the Fucking darling RDA. of the RDA yeah. uh, and, and claiming that health officials should be tried for war crimes. Amazing. There are no consequences for that. The Australian lamb, whatever the fuck they are, just go, oh, fuck that. We'll just try and pretend that never happened and we'll give him the gig. I think there's probably some words about that. But, look, you know, when it comes down to it, there are vaccine mandates. They still apply to certain groups, you know, the ones that kind of kill people. Not many in New South Wales. Mate, age care... Uh, maybe teachers, Age care, front health healthcare, law enforcement. I mean, no brainers, right? And yeah. then you're in this situation where it's like, you know, okay, you got these larger groups like the construction workers and stuff like that. They made up a huge number of protests, but they're not interested anymore. I mean, I don't even know if they've got fucking vaccine mandates anymore. Anyway, it was a very sort of ter- not in New South Wales, not construction workers, not at all. It was a zero COVID measure, which was designed to stop COVID from being a thing until we were ready to let rip. Which is exactly what we said was going to happen. It's what's happening, but these motherfuckers don't work in reality. So look, the cookers have run out of groups of co-ops. The only time a, a mandate was put across construction workers was when Delta was blowing up, and yeah. only for those construction workers who lived in those postcodes of concern. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Fuck, they turned up, though. The rest of it's just open slather, and, and, and that'll, that stuff for those postcodes of concern, construction workers in, that's all gone now. Yeah, that's it. And look, like I say, basically they've run out of groups to co-opt, and now it's just them. It's just, you know, your sobsits, your anti-vaxxers, you just rabble of incredibly annoying people gathering in parks and just coughing on each other. Let's face it, they're coughing <laughs> on each other and saying thank you at the end. Sneezing, what? sneezing and touching one another's food. Just why? I've had COVID. It's not like, ah, oh, you fucking morons. Anyway, this is always the way it was going to end up, realistically. Yep. The movement was going to go from a flow to a drip and only the properly rusted cookers were going to stick it out. Yeah, look, we have seen the battleground shift. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just been an endless shift, you know. So, so if we go back two years to the first time when COVID was being protested about, it was all about 5G and, yeah, you know, yeah. Bill Gates and state control and all oh, this sort of stuff. And some of those, some of those meme-type uh, sort of responses still exist within the cookers. But essentially all that's moved on. Now we're going to that point where as uh, five to 11 year old children in Australia are being given the you know Pfizer light uh, that's where the that's where the new battleground is and it's that call to you know our children are going to be massacred this highly emotive sort of stuff yeah yeah you know and no absolutely no rules no lines no barriers that will not be broken oh 100% there's absolutely no depths they won't plunge to and that's sort of what becomes of these rusted on people is they just wind up going as low as they can possibly go to get attention and to create this change they believe is so noble. And we've said it a million times and it continues to be true. They're coming for the kids. That's the next low. They've already been doing it. But like, you know, we've got an example like Matt Lawson, the perpetual fucking drifter and grifter, chlamydia koala and just generally just awful human (laughs) being. He just makes his presence felt at schools because he has nothing else to do harassing children in their 
and their parents drop off on pickup time because he's living in a tent. He, you know, he's in a van down by the river and he's got this thing about doing it for the kids. He's got nothing else in his life except for harassing people, living in tents and being a fucking pest. Well, well presumably he's got to turn up to Centrelink at some time. I mean, that might be an answer for Matt. You know, you, you want to live this, you know, sort of no responsibility life. Maybe those Centrelink benefits shouldn't be coming your way anymore, Look, buddy. I must say, like as much as I hate mutual obligation requirements and all this fuck sort of stuff, them. If that's if they're going to become professional protesters, fuck them. I know, and that's the worst thing. Like you know, I'm a big political economy guy who loves the virtue of universal basic income, but now all I see universal basic income as just this way of enabling people from being pests and just like you know spending yeah. way too much time on the internet and creating anti vaxxers So I'm like, I used to love universal basic income, and the pandemic has actually <laughs> really turned, turned your mind to something. It has Look, it's it? quite right. When you look at the Canberra cookers uh, uh, over the weekend, you look at that and you go, virtually every single one of them has not worked for the last two years. And they've got and, money. And, and, and they're getting a quid uh, to basically misbehave. But one of the things that must be said, and this is a very interesting thing that I noticed in Lucky Lance's long, weird phone call with, um, with Peter Little, is Peter Little let slip. Mate, he's living off his inheritance. He well, yeah, a- there'll be a few people who are fortunate like that, but there aren't oh, yeah. that many. Oh, I mean, look- I mean, there's there's the some nice market, cars there. The labor market is simply screaming for people to come and work for them. You know, yeah. um, one of the big you know three hat restaurants in Melbourne were offering dishwashers seventy bucks an hour. Yeah. Yeah, and you that's know, it. They need labour, and here we've got this 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 fucking underclass of under unemployable people. And look, this I I definitely believe there's generational wealth involved in this situation, but there's people it's like Matt Lawson yeah. who are actually completely broke and he's not smart enough to grift he probably puts his hand out all the time but no one seems to be giving it to him because he's just not has, hasn't got the social media charisma to get the money yeah. so it's pretty funny that the guy's just living in a tent and hassling parents like that's his life now and like you know and we're going to see this this is the kind of behavior we're going to see yeah. because cookers are going to divert their attention from the end of rallies on the weekend into this more focused community level action correct just pesting locals and yes. probably like Matt Lawson becoming a drifter and just moving around so you annoy a community they get to know you and they tell you to fuck off what do you do go to another community annoy them it's just insane so schools are hopefully going to tell them to fuck off in no uncertain terms whether that's effective is another story because like I say they're just going to find ways to subvert it you've got like the QAnon style where they go to the school boards in the USA where they have the right to be there and anywhere that a cooker has the right to be they are going to abuse that right to the point where that right loses all meaning and people suddenly have to start thinking hold on we can't have community input anymore because now community input is just a whole bunch of weird motherfuckers in tents <laughs> turning up and telling turning us not to vaccinate up, our children. Turning up and screaming at people. You just That's can't exactly have that. Right. But I think what you're absolutely right. The numbers are going to dwindle and are dwindling now as this pandemic comes to an end. This is what we hope. Basically, numbers are starting to drop off in New South Wales, which are, you know may or may not be a question of testing, but uh, but numbers are starting to drop off in the UK where they actually do have a significant or a reliable database of, of evidence. Yeah. And so as we get towards the end of this, you're going to see people who have attached themselves to the anti-vax crowd, for example, they'll drop off. 
Right, they'll drop off. They'll take overfacts whenever that finally reaches the market, yeah, yeah, that's or, it. or they'll just slink about unvaccinated and mutter to themselves because yeah. their families don't talk to them anymore. Well, that's and, right. And then, you, but then you've got this hardcore, and and you talk about someone like Lawson going around and sort of pestering school students and parents. That's very likely, but but there are other things that are more alarming, I think, and that is around the sort of militarization of the movement. Yeah, taking up arms. You know that that people will become. Uh, more more aggressive, more isolated, creepier, and, and yeah. potentially more violent. And that's what we are seeing in the UK too. So those big anti-vax numbers, those big anti-vax protests don't, aren't really occurring anymore. What you've got is essentially more militant, smaller groups of more militant, far more dangerous people. It's, it's the way it's moving. And like, you know, we've seen this movement toward children becoming incorporated. You know, like it's got the parents of questions, for example. This is quite transparent about being run by a charity so it's like you know it's a company but we are probably seeing whether it's visible or invisible the effect of rfk jr setting up shop in australia his whole shtick on the website saying that australia needs their help (laughs) you know australia needs our help we yeah. fucking don't, mate. We absolutely do not. We do not want you here. Well, Australia needs to weigh in to <laughs> to his various grifts. That's, well, that's really what he's saying. It's going to take some off the top. But, like, basically, when it comes down to it, I haven't actually seen actual presence from CHD on the streets or online, really. Small. You know, quite quiet. But the thing is, they might be quietly backing existing players while they build their ranks locally. And the thing is, is that we know the guys at Children Health Defence are seasoned political players. And they know exactly how to set up an operation. They're not amateurs. These are fucking professional insiders using skills to push anti-vax sentiment yeah. for a salary. Professional lobbyists, professor pressure groups, people who know how to tweak government, how to tweak communities. Yeah. Hey, look, it's just occurred to me, Joel, and I'm sorry to interrupt, that, no. uh, that we didn't do our stats for the anti-vax No, we didn't, update. no. So I'll quickly run through that now. Everyone has COVID. Um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> exactly the, what I thought you'd say. And those who don't have it are going to get it soon. Yeah. The trick is... Try not to get it in the next three weeks if you can at all manage that. Don't and move then house. You should be all right. And if you do move house and they say they're from Coogee, <laughs> don't book them. Even don't if it the is gym. just before New Year's Eve, don't go to the and gym. you're desperate. It is. It is. A, 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 it, it is basically a life lesson that I learned very young. Don't go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I, I'm, I've got a theory on that that's really fucked up. And also, uh, I did text the movers uh, from Coogee and I said, "Hey guys, I've got COVID. Just thought I'd let you know." And uh, they responded within about five minutes to me asking them to move my house. Uh, when I talked about COVID, mm, crickets, interesting. <laughs> I wonder where they went on New Year's Eve. Yeah, probably well, to well, the pavilion to kill everyone that was near them. Well, no, probably. And this is this is a management issue now, huh? COVID, we don't give a fuck about that. Was, no. we, need, we don't want to hear about that because no. we want to keep we want to keep our employees working along. Yeah, don't touch it. those rats. Don't touch I, those rats. Exactly. And look, let's face it, I don't know if they were vaccinated or not. I don't think they were. So look, we're used to these dopey <laughs> mechanics of cookers who just make shit up as they go with these poorly run AstroTurf groups that are funded by these half-cocked peeled parrots with a bit of spare change like Luke Simpson's real estate sugar mama. <laughs> Bringing RFK Jr. into the mix here is going to bring a whole whole new kind of anti-vax organization yeah. that is run by professionals, professional activists who know exactly what the fuck they're doing. And that should be absolutely terrifying to 
anyone. Well, that anyone who's in the side of rationality and oh, logic. Oh, truly. But anti-vaxxers, if anti-vaxxers are too stupid to understand this, but they should be fucking relishing this because they are about to get the dream team behind them. And I don't think they even realize it. Yeah, it'll push a few of their leading lights out of the way in Australia. But look, it is terrifying, Joe. It's fucking terrifying. But not as terrifying as Pete Evans. And he's even more terrifying, craggy face. That's fine. He got Botox. I have nightmares. He's had a huge week and we're here to tell you all about it now. In the week in Pete Evans. It's been a huge week in Pete Evans. Huge. With Pete's posting going from mindlessly sharing memes from David Avocado Wolf, as usual, mm. to old Pete yeah. throwing in his two cents, giving us some wonderful insights into how his brain functions. And Ooh, it, this is it doesn't need. function well, Jack. I just, I don't think that's news to you. I don't think many people no, have regarded the craggy face pizza cook as a public intellectual. And if they have, they're fucking idiots. But he does try. <laughs> he tries very hard. Yeah, he does. He, does. Try. he never short of an so attempt. So let's have a look at some of the sulfuric brain farts that Pete's tooted into his Telegram feed this week. This is a quote Thank you again for greater inner standing. <laughs> Do you see what he did there? It's not understanding, it's inner standing. Yeah. It's like yeah. understanding, but yeah. inside. It's meaningless. It's yeah. completely fucking meaningless. It, it, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's ad speak. Isn't almost, it just? You know? It would be what the advertising industry was like if Pete had anything to oh, do true. with yeah. it. Changing, changing words. Let's just change it's like that if, word from understanding to inner. It's doing like a social media campaign saying, "Come up with our next slogan," and that's the one that got voted the most because people <laughs> are stupid. So look, if you apply the blue jacket earwax to it, it becomes a profound message about inner knowledge and understanding oneself. Very profound. A portmanteau. Yes, a portmanteau of inner knowledge and understanding. I love it, Pete. Oh my God, just so fucking inspiring. Of course, as usual, it lacks a kind of context would give it any kind of meaning. He just (laughs) plonked that in the middle of his Telegram feed full of fear, loathing and just like, you know, everyone's trying to kill you. Who the fuck wants meaning? (laughs) Meaning? Context? Dorks. Inner standing, bro. Do you Joe Rogan, bro? We're just so in tune with ourselves, bro. And like, let's face it, man, our inner standing is all that matters. Like, you know, <laughs> behave like a real narcissist. We're all just players in a game, bro. I'm just like, I just think a lot, you know? I just think a lot mm. and I just feel like my inner standing is much greater than my <laughs> understanding and my outer standing, God, Craigie, my midpoint standing. Fuck off. Anyway, look, so we've got another banger that falls under a meme with a still image from Aladdin that says, oh yeah, it's all falling apart, which is just so fucking generic and so insightful oh yeah it's all falling apart and he just adds his little line he adds a little line because he, he wanted to write something down here's the quote it is fascinating to witness the mainstream media and the old system simultaneously falling apart at the same time peace love and rainbows yeah. i mean i tell you what pete it's fascinating to witness you fuck up that sentence so badly simultaneously <laughs> falling apart at the same time pete write once edit Wait. twice did you yeah. seriously post that to an audience of 54,000 people? Of course you fucking did. You're a functional illiterate. Simultaneously yep. at the same time. In Simultaneously day. at the same Peter time. Peter Darrell, stay back after class. So, look, for starters, even in your Bitcoin-addled child brain, the old systems are not falling apart at all. In fact, your shameless cheerleading for Bitcoin is doing exactly what the old system did so very well before pesky regulations got in the way and making rich people richer. That's why Elon Musk loves it because he's stooging people on daily. Sure, a few crypto bros made a few bucks, well done to them, but for all your shilling of the Ponzi scam, there's a dipshit hippie, many of them, that just lost their inheritance day trading Dogecoin. I don't really feel for them though. They should never have listened to you in the 
first place because you're a fucking idiot. So one of the posts that I really quite like was a photo of Craggy Pete's foot on his outrageously beautiful outside setting. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm jealous as fuck. With this gorgeous green view that simply says content. Well, content. (laughs) But I don't... Content. But that's the thing. It's content as well. Or content or content. So this is great. Was it? Was it? It's actually. I don't both. think wow, Pete meant to Pete, do this. You're blowing my mind, man. It's got man. a great double meaning. It simultaneously says that he is <laughs> at the content, same time, but it's also content. <laughs> So he fucking nailed it. I think I think surely it's all connected because Pete has that, you know, like Pepe Silvia style approach to life where everything is interconnected. Oh, unless he does it because everything is just a brain fart that comes out of his ass at the second. Oh, I just did it, bro. Simultaneously. Like, at it's the just same my time. understanding at the same time, bro. So look, <laughs> I still found it very funny. And finding things funny on his telegram feed is really difficult because clips of Tucker Carlson just zap the humor out of any situation. Ooh, yeah. Looking through his telegram feed just makes you not laugh. But let's face it, the real issue here is that this actual fucking moron has amassed a fortune doing a career that for the most part involved a self-indulgent lifestyle propped up with endless cash from effortless product endorsements and television productions that pandered to his massive ego and fed him an hourly rate that would make a QC weep. And I, on the other hand, am a simple prole who mocks this idiot in their spare time while I go to work for relative pennies. This dipshit relives his childhood constantly, or as I suspect, makes it up as he goes. Did you ever skate ever? Pete, but he's on his bespoke skate ramp, hanging out. He goes water skiing on his waterfront property with his boat. He eats grass-fed salmon on a near-constant basis. He laughs at the idea of work. The closest he gets to work is posting reminders for people that pay $3,000 a weekend, but $3,500 if he doesn't feed you. I mean, Pete's got it made. Let's face it. But he simultaneously lives the dream while peddling nightmares to idiots about the end of the world. He simultaneously lives a life of carefree luxury while also immersed in a fear culture that insists the world is trying to kill us all with chemtrails and other shit that Dave O'Neggs has told him. But in the meantime, I'll just point and laugh (laughs) at the craggy-faced idiot and see what he does next, which is probably something incredibly cool, expensive and fun. God damn it. Fuck Fuck him. Fuck Fuck him. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. Just search for it. Like, we're a unique title. It's fine. But yeah. I must say, promoting a podcast easier said than done. We've grown astronomically over the last year. I really appreciate it because that is you guys doing it. Tell your friends. Tell your uncle. Harass people. Go to school pickup and tell them about the podcast. People will really <laughs> like you for doing it. Live out of a van by the river. Exactly. And go and harass people just outside school ground. We'll donate to your GoFundMe. Yeah, the Patreon is up and running, and we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. Yes. For as little as five subs a month, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content, and if you've given us enough money, you can watch us record the damn show just like Harrow is today. Mm-hmm. And we promise that if we reach a 1,000 patrons, you can have a chunk of the $100 trillion in gold bullion that we grifted out of Brucey Shellingsworth. Soft target, soft target. So join up at patreon.com slash the conditional release program. And finally, all feedback, tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, especially if you're driving an armoured van filled with 100 trillion in gold bullion direct from the Australian Corporation asking us to help run the new sovereign nation of shillings worthier. <laughs> we are all free men walking the land. And he's the chief. Thanks, guys. See you next time. See ya. Cheers.